Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Bet the board. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't care. I don't. I never have. I never will. Yeah, right. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. You owe me 15 grand, pal. Pay him. Pay that man his money. It's the Bet the Board podcast. God likes me. He really, really likes me. In the end, I wound up right back where I started. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? Here's Payne Insider and Todd Furman. Welcome into the Bet the Board podcast powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. Go to FanDuelSportsbook.com, use the promo code BETTHEBOARD, sign up for all new users, $1,000 risk-free bonus, plenty of 25 to 1 specials, and a variety of other ways to get you engaged for the NFL playoffs, but more importantly, the College Football National Championship that's on the docket for this evening. I'm your host, Todd Furman, joined as always by my esteemed colleague and co-host, the one, the only Pain Insider. I gave you your standalone breakdown wish. How do you feel about that? I feel great, but uh, for those listeners out there expecting like a 90-minute deep dive and Oof. all of this, Payne no. put a moratorium and a quota. He said we have 19 minutes to get in and out of Dodge, <laughs> but that does not include the intro and outro. So for those with their stopwatches in hand, they can begin to clock it now. So uh, are you okay doing a standalone college football podcast? New year. New me, baby. No. Yeah, <laughs> All whatever. Right. It'll be fun. Well, all right. We'll get we'll get into the game and of course Big an game, intriguing right, Ohio State, Alabama, two of the top for, recruiting teams in the country going at it. So for sure, for and game. for all the installments we've seen of Alabama Clemson and Ohio State Clemson, the first time we'll get Alabama Ohio State since the two thousand fourteen national semifinals, the Cardale Jones coming out party of sorts, or unfortunately for him, I think his career peaked. Uh, as a football player at a higher level. Uh, we're looking at Alabama, an eight-and-a-half point favorite. What the hell did he do to deserve that? I'm just saying. I mean, I watch <laughs> him in, what was it, the XFL as a member of the D.C. Guardians, and he just never you know, could barely scratch. That's part of the reason he's not on a roster right now instead of Taylor Henneke or Steven Montez. Big arm, big arm. All right. This game, Alabama, an eight-and-a-half point favorite of FanDuel Sportsbook. Total on the game, 75 uh, and when you look at these two teams, very different paths to get here this season. We know Alabama played at least the majority of what would be a normal college football schedule. Ohio State, of course, had a variety of games canceled uh, because of COVID protocols. You look at the Buckeyes, they knocked off Clemson, winning outright as more than a touchdown underdog. 
Uh, in the semifinals, Alabama very workmanlike in dispatching Notre Dame 31-14, but failing to cover a closing number of 17 and a half. You look at some of the best opponents these teams have faced this year. Good luck uh, with Ohio State trying to figure that out. Clemson and Northwestern, sure, maybe you give Indiana the nod. Uh, with where they were at the time. Alabama, meanwhile, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Georgia. Interesting part about those three opponents, Payne. Alabama, 33 drives against that trio of teams. They scored 19 times and averaged 41 points per game, which I think provides the perfect segue. When we look at Alabama's offense today, we know that that is where their bread is buttered. Steve Sarkeesian, of course, taking another job uh, to head to Texas after this game is over. All the hardware, whether it's Mac Jones and the Davey O'Brien Award, Devontae Smith, the Heisman. If you're Ohio State and Carrick Hyder, other than prayer, how are you scheming a way to slow down Alabama offensively tonight? That's exactly my response to, to get in and out under 19 minutes. Just pray. I, <laughs> you, you, I don't know, right? Like, it's going to be interesting to see what Ohio State does defensively, right? Like, the Buckeyes aren't playing a slow, unimaginative Big Ten offense here, right? Where they're going to be able to just do the same things that they do and have their talent and speed overwhelm and ultimately win. And if you look at Ohio State, really the last two seasons, they are pretty predictable with what they want to do on the defensive side of the ball. It's a ton of single high safety pre-snap. It's even more post-snap. You would have to think, you have to think that there's going to be some kind of wrinkle defensively for Ohio State. But this isn't your traditional standalone national championship game, right, where you have like two, three, four weeks to prepare. So the question becomes, are you going to be who you are and maybe drop your corners and coverage a little bit like they did against Clemson? Or are you going to be able in a short turnaround, relatively speaking to the national championships, come up with something that's a little bit different that you might not do as well just to provide that wrinkle? I I don't know the question or I don't know the answer to that, but Something Alabama hasn't seen all season has to come here. Because if Ohio State thinks that they're going to be in their predictable man, single high safety defense, they're going to give up 50 here. Right? Like Okuda, Arnett, and and Jordan Fuller are gone. Sean Wade's playing out of position. He's not comfortable playing outside. You don't have Chase Young creating pressure and helping the secondary this season. And, you know, give Ohio State's defense some credit. They did adjust two different times against Clemson. But Alabama's got better receiver talent. Than Clemson does. Alabama has its offensive coordinator. With Ohio State's ability to cover on the back end, I think, I don't know what it becomes, but probably the lesser of two evils, right? Like, do you want to play your traditional style of coverage and, and load the box, right? Make sure all the gaps are filled and maybe send pressure over center and overwhelm Alabama's backup center, Chris Owens, with, with Landon Dickerson out. And maybe you can slow Najee Harris that way. Or do you want to change things up, right, and, and alter your pre-snap look? Maybe play more guys in coverage. Make Bama drive methodically. It, it's really difficult because when I look at Alabama's offense right now, the talent wouldn't seem like it's to the level it was last year. But the O-line's so good, and obviously Najee Harris is pretty good, and you got a couple tight ends, and you have Devontae Smith. It just feels like they might be more complete, even though the talent might not be quite what we've seen but if Alabama comes out with three wide sets and you think you're going to defend them with four defensive backs on the field it's going to be a long day and this is kind of what I'm you know we had this kind of talk off it's like what are they going to do here because for this season so far out of 127 teams 
Ohio State's played nickel defense at the 109th highest rate. They don't use five defensive backs on the field. They like using an extra linebacker. They play a 4-3. They like to play downhill. They like to clog the gaps. That's basically what they decide to do. Are they going to throw another defensive back on the field? I don't think we're going to know. I mean, Payne, you don't think Ohio State being a fringe top 100 team in uh, EPA pass defense is going to be the recipe for success to try and eliminate the big plays today against Alabama? I don't know what they're ultimately going to choose to do. Like You mentioned this before we recorded here. It's like they decided to play off the Clemson receivers, not get beat deep, keep everything in front. When you look at Mac Jones, you look at how the offense operates, Like they're fine dinking and dunking. They are one of the best teams staying ahead of the down and distance. That's why they become so difficult to defend. Like, what are they going to do, right? They are in third and short all the time. They are in second and manageable all the time. They bypass third down pretty frequently. So it becomes like, what do you want to do defensively? Do you want to just get beat and crushed, death by a thousand paper cuts? Or do you want to maybe get a couple stops, generate a turnover, but give up the big player to. I, I don't know ultimately what they're going to elect to do here. You're going to have I mean, to figure out a way to get stops once Alabama does get into the red zone, right? Well, like that Alabama's be- number that two becomes- in the country in finishing drives. It, it, it's, it's, it's tough. This is, a, this is a well-balanced offense. Yeah, I mean, that becomes the big question if you're Ohio State. Are you comfortable basically giving Alabama whatever they want between the 20s and then hoping – that you're able to hold them to three, something that Alabama hasn't exactly settled for field goals all that often. And when you look at that game plan that you mentioned for Ohio State against Clemson, uh, I mean, to Ohio State's credit, they held Clemson to just 11% explosive plays when on average they were giving up 19% during the course of the season. So I guess that's a win. Um, But the difference in that game was that Ohio State was able to take Travis Etienne out of the game and at least make Clemson a one-dimensional offensive source. I don't think they're going to have that luxury in this particular spot, given the things that you alluded to, because you can't try and go lighter in the box and expect to slow down Najee Harris. You have to commit that extra player there, and ultimately that leaves you a hell of a lot more vulnerable on the back end to then giving up the home run ball over the top. Without without question, right? Like They don't have the fortunes of facing... A Clemson wide receiver group again. That it works well against those guys, and we were waiting for a Clemson receiver to emerge all season. It just never really happened. But this is a different ball game here against this receiving group of Alabama. And again, like we saw the Crimson Tide play a different style of offense last week. There wasn't a lot of deep shots. I mean, Mac Jones threw four passes over twenty yards against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame played a little bit of a softer coverage because we had talked about them getting beat deep was kind of the Achilles heel all season against far lesser competition. But Mac Jones got the ball out pretty quick against Notre Dame and just methodically moved it down to down. And I think people will look at the scoreboard and be like, ah, you know, that strategy worked. It kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half. They could have scored 70 <laughs> there if they wanted to. I think the other thing worth mentioning here, Todd, is is you got some somewhat decent intel, right? Like it, it, it would appear some guys for Ohio State along the defensive line might not be here? Yeah, that they won't be at full strength. I mean, Zach Harrison missed last game. He's expected to be back, but we'll anxiously wait. Yeah, we'll wait the Who's availability. Who's the guy with but... the name that I can't pronounce, and I'm going to let you uh, travel down that path of pronouncing his name? 
I mean, if you're going to expect me to pronounce Togaye's name the there right way in its entirety, <laughs> you're absolutely bonkers. But uh, all expectations are that him and Tyreek Smith will not be available. The reason that's important, because when you look at what Ohio State was able to do this year, they didn't translate their pressure into sacks. Uh, but what they were able to do was force turnovers by with their front four and not having those guys all in tow with Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, Jonathan Cooper, and Togi, I think change a little bit of what they're able to do in passing situations. So I guess it begs the question for Alabama. I mean, you go out there and you mentioned against Notre Dame, they had plenty of success doing what they wanted. The final score wasn't exactly indicative of how dominant they were. And we've been critical of Sean Wade, who you mentioned at the top. I mean, he gives up eight catches for 139 yards to Cornell Powell. And Proctor, Williamson, and Ransom, all liabilities at the back. Then the other thing about it, for Ohio State, they've played a ton of cover one and cover three this season. Well, cover three against Trevor Lawrence, he had 23 pass attempts against that defense. The Tigers generated 212 yards and a 70% success rate. So unlike most teams, when you play the Clemsons and you play the Alabamas, these teams can be methodical. They can dink and dunk their way down the field. It's not like taking on middle-tier teams, and we talk about all the time, Payne, if you can't generate the explosive play in college football, most of these teams can't sustain long drives. They have to hit a home run, and if you're patient, they'll force a turnover, they'll take a penalty, and they'll take themselves off schedule. Alabama isn't most teams. No, no, and I think that's they can beat you in a variety of ways, right? You can be explosive with... Devonte Smith over the top. They can be methodical throwing it to Najee Harris out of the backfield. And that becomes the other interesting element here is we saw Alabama go a little bit quicker pass, right? They, they we mentioned it before last game and said, Hey, you know, they, they use their RPO offense and you can get also Najee Harris out of the backfield has a, a pretty reliable pass catcher. So if you see Ohio State in their 4-3, I mean, is, is Borland going to be the guy that's going to stick with Najee Harris catching the ball out of the backfield? So I think there's going to be some other opportunities here if Ohio State elects to negate the big play and keep everything in front, right? There's there's some good tight ends here. Najee Harris is a real threat out of the backfield. Devontae Smith, part of his maturation is, is some of his route running. So we were able to see him against Notre Dame catch a lot of underneath stuff. Did have a couple drops, but... He's fine not beating you deep. He can catch some of the underneath routes as well. So Alabama's offense is just so versatile. And I think that's probably the difference. Another year in this system, you have guys that can do, you know, a slew of different things. It just feels like they're potentially an offense now that can beat you multiple ways, right? And and that is why they're so good, even though the talent might not be there. Like, I mean, look at that receiver group last year. I mean, it's like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and then you also had Waddell Healthy and Devontae Smith. This year, you know, it's basically just Devontae Smith out there in terms of namesake at this point. Obviously, some of those other Bama receivers will continue to be very good moving forward as they mature. But like this just doesn't have the namesake as, as previous Alabama offenses, but they just feel like they can beat you a different amount of ways here under Sark. Yeah, they're, I mean, this Alabama offense, I mean, we can heap as many accolades on we want. The star power is there. Their ability to do a variety of things is going to put Ohio State in an uncomfortable position. And I think if you're the Buckeyes, you have to set realistic expectations that if you can keep Alabama the 35 points or maybe even the low 40s, the pressure and the burden of proof will fall on an offense. Thankfully for the Buckeyes, though, can, can I mean, this go is over a, 35. Are you offering over 35? Uh, I will. I mean, you can, if you shop around for it, you can find an adjusted price to go over 35 <laughs> team total. I think team total right now is only 42 and a half or 41 and a half. I saw yes. um, recently. Yes. So if you want to go over eight and a half, there's some 38 and a half juice. You give me uh, give me 
What are you giving me here? I'm trying to think about this. Uh, 34 oh, you, you and got... a half over, uh, give me minus 70. I mean, I know what kind of negotiator you are. The Todd Foreman so, shop. <laughs> so, so if you want my, if, if you want minus seventy, I mean, it means the true price for you is closer to minus two fifty. So it means I need to offer three thirty for myself to have a puncher's chance. And this let's make a deal type format you're trying to establish. We do. Hey, we figure I'd catch you first thing Monday morning. You're, you're a I, I, apl- I applaud that. You wake up chipper. Hey, if you're you'd not be cheating, offering me good prices. If you're not cheating, you're not trying in this business. We know how that works. Uh, on the other side of the ball, obviously Ohio State has it, an offense in its own right that has NFL caliber talent. And we've seen Trey Sermon have a hot hand over the last couple games against Sparty, uh, Northwestern, and Clemson. He carried the ball 70 times for 636 yards, more than nine yards per carry, flirting with all-time records. Ironically enough, Ezekiel Elliott holds the all-time high for rushing yards against Alabama in program history. 230 yards Zeke hammered out in the 2014 semifinal. But when you look at Ohio State, this is a team that's gained 20 yards on more than 10% of its offensive snaps this season, narrowly edging out Florida for best in the nation. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, 82 catches, 1,300 plus yards, 12.6 yards per target pain, and 12 touchdowns despite Olave missing the Big Ten championship. I think you and I have been down on the Alabama defense by abnormally high standards for Alabama, whether it's on their defensive line or not believing in Christian Harris and Dylan Moses being cut from the same cloth as what we've seen previously from Alabama's linebacking core. And then, of course, in the secondary, I think this is where their strength is with Patrick Sertain and Josh Joe. But if you're Ohio State, do you try and slow the game down and be methodical, or do you just say the hell with it? We're throwing caution to the wind, and we're <laughs> going to showcase our NFL caliber talent as well. It'll depend if the game's in a neutral state or not, that's for sure. I, I think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, if they can win enough – on the outside against Patrick Sertain Jr. and and Josh Job, then Alabama might be forced to play their safeties back. If Alabama's forced to play their safeties back, then this game gets real damn interesting. But if if Sertain and Job are able to handle Olave and Wilson for the most part on their own, that's going to allow Alabama to bring more guys into the box. And and suddenly that run advantage for Ohio State isn't as large with a mobile quarterback. But historically, you know, Ohio State is kind of the offense that's given Nick Saban's defense a run for its money, right? Like spread you out, use some tempo, and you know be lucky enough to have a mobile quarterback. And that combination of those three things have given better versions of Alabama's defense fits. I, it'll be fun to see what Ryan Day ultimately comes up with here. It's going to be something that we've potentially never seen. This just feels like a game where Ryan Day knows it's his, it's his coming out party. College football guys obviously respect the hell out of him. I've been saying for the past few years, I actually like Ryan Day's offense better than Urban's, which, you know, you get flack for because Urban's, you know, won multiple championships. Don't tell the Jags that. (laughs) He's already putting the staff together. We'll see if that goes through. It'll be interesting to see if. uh, Hopefully, Ryan Day's on that staff. (laughs) (laughs) I think Urban's got enough power there to, to, to find the right guy, but we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. So, you know, there's also some rumors, right, that like Ryan Day has been focusing on Alabama all season, spending all these extra hours anytime he has them scheming for Alabama, believing that this would be the matchup. So I think Ryan Day is going to be okay to play multiple ways in this game if it's needed. And I think the initial mindset, to your point, Todd, at the top is probably try to play some ball control offense, right? Let's allow our offensive line that's you know, third in the country in line yards and has been dominant to end the season, you know, use traditional two tight end sets where Alabama's defense hasn't actually been the best. If you look at traditional 
two tight end sets against Alabama, the Crimson Tide have given up a positive EPA per play. So maybe Ryan Day says, hey, if this thing is in a neutral game script, we can grind this thing out. And it's a good game plan offensively because Alabama's 51st in the country in EPA rush defense. Now, if you can't get stops defensively of your own, suddenly this is a real nice idea that goes out the window of slowing things down. You know, that that's what will be interesting here is, does Alabama get the kick first, go down, score a touchdown, all of a sudden you have a penalty-induced first drive and you're down 14 nothing. That game plan suddenly goes out the window. Oh, then you just so, live bet the shit out of the game going over the total then. Right, right. I think that's probably, you know, the way to attack at that point. But, you know, you can't allow Alabama to get out quick. You can't allow them to soil that game plan. And you're going to need a change-up or a curveball here. And... I think if you're going to play this down to down, slow it down, grind it out, you know, convert short passes, move the chains type of game for Ohio State, they're going to need to be more disciplined. 85th in the country in penalties. You can't play that style if you're picking up false starts and holding penalties and formation penalties. We know Ryan Day is going to use a slew of pre-snap motion here. Like Ohio State has to be crisp with that. You can't have a you know, third and two, all of a sudden you're running pre-snap motion, guys are moving at the same time, and, and all of a sudden it's third and seven. That's going to hinder the ability to play keep away. But when Ohio State is in 12, I think using play action is important, obviously. We know that formation is very multiple. You can run it. You can pass from it. You can use uh, the legs of your quarterback there. So using play action from 12 is going to be something pretty vital, I think, for Justin Fields. He feels way more confident throwing from that formation. And I think Alabama's linebackers, as you allude to, have issues in coverage. We know Alabama hasn't been their usual self in terms of pass rush as well this season. 12 formation allows you to kind of hold up even better in protection, something that Justin Fields might need. I don't know. They're calling it a hit pointer. They're saying he's walking around on campus just fine. No problem with the ribs. We'll see. Uh, Is it the first hit that changes the dynamic of this game tonight? I don't know. But Ohio State does need to take some planned deep shots if they're going to catch Bama in cover zero or cover one from play action. And that, again, is where Fields has been great. 149 passer rating when using play action. Fields yards per pass attempt increased three and a half yards with play action. So when Ryan Day throws from that play action, like they're looking to kill you, right? They're looking to take that deep shot. So, yes, there is going to be potentially some ball control if this is in a neutral game state. But even within that, you're going to see some deep play action shots. Ryan Day is going to keep you honest. Guys that Ohio State fans know real well, but the rest of the country probably doesn't. Like Jeremy Rutgert seems to be the guy catching a lot of noise this week. Luke Farrell as well. Only 25 combined catches in seven games from those two guys. But we know the talent's there. They're high-end recruits. They're four-star guys. If, if Ohio State goes two tight end sets, I think they're going to have some success picking on Dylan Moses and Christian Harris. And we've seen their prop numbers start real low and, and those two guys that have pretty much gotten steamed in terms of yards and receptions. But, you know, without question, right? Like with, with 100% certainty, Todd, like Ryan Day is going to have something on offense that nobody's seen yet that hasn't been on film this entire season. Maybe never under Ryan Day. He's always going to have this off-seed this off-speed pitch that nobody knew he had, I think. You know, something that we do uh, frequently a bunch, right? Like they're not going to put something uh 
They're going to put something in this game that just hasn't been offensive. We saw it last week in the Clemson game. All of a sudden, they're running like bunch formations with their receivers to the short side of the field. Something they really hadn't done this season. And they did it a bunch because Ryan Day identified a weakness of Clemson and how they were defending the short sides of fields. So I think this is going to be really interesting. We're going to see something from Ohio State we haven't seen. To your point, though, I believe the initial game plan and maybe the game plan for as long as the scoreboard dictates that Ohio State's going to be in 12 formation more than we typically see. Yeah, and I was going to say the defensive line for Alabama, I'm not going to say is a weakness, but it's weaker by Alabama of normally high standards, and I think there's some vulnerability there. You mentioned all the success for Justin Fields out of play action. Well, that actually should help quite a bit when you consider that Alabama gave up 30% of its total defensive yards against opponents running play action. And what's even more fascinating, we saw in that Indiana game, Kane, Kane Womack, now the head coach of South Alabama, who was the D.C. at the time under Tom Allen, pretty much just brought the blitz and said, hey, look, we're going to try and pressure Fields, make him uncomfortable, and arguably his worst game up until the Northwestern game, where he threw multiple interceptions. And Fields this year with no pressure, 81% completion rate, 10.7 yards per dropback, 2% interception rate, and a QBR of flirting with 95. When he's under pressure, completion rate drops below 50%, 2.5 yards per dropback, interception rate flirting with 7, and a raw QBR that's not even worth sharing. The problem is, like you alluded to, that Alabama doesn't blitz a ton, and do they feel comfortable getting out of what's been so successful for them in the past, giving Ohio State a couple of different defensive looks if Ryan Day mixes it up, and we see a variation of the sugar huddle or whatever else tempo that he employed when Ohio State hits the big play to keep the defense on its heels. It's just going to be so interesting because your first point there and something that we've outlined and you know we mentioned Alabama isn't great against the rush, especially by their standards, but not really by any standard for you know a team that's in this type of game. They've gotten bullied around sometimes in the trenches, and that is the one thing that Ohio State's offensive line has done a really good job of. I mentioned at the top there that Ohio State was third in offensive line yards. You look at Alabama defensively, 56th. This just isn't the defensive line that we've grown accustomed to. They've gotten pushed around at times in the SEC this year. Uh, They're 80th in stuff rate, 91st in power success rate. In terms of getting pressure, you know, on passing downs, their sack rate's just 58th in the country. So if you're using 12 formation, a formation that helps protect the quarterback when you do pass and camouflages things. I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be under pressure much tonight. So it'll be interesting to see this game. There's going to be a lot of cat and mouse. Obviously, as we break this game down, Todd, and you'll kind of like hear it back in your head, there's a reason, obviously, this game is is 75. The total is 75. So we'll see who makes the necessary adjustments here. I think there's a lot of question marks with potentially... like. Alabama's offense is what it is. Like, I don't know what Ohio State's defense can actually do, right? This side of the ball with, you know, uh, Ohio State's offense and Alabama's defense might have a few more wrinkles in it, a few more unknowns in my mind. Should be one hell of a game tonight where arguably two of the best teams all year long, or at least the uh, couple teams that we thought were going to be here before the season started, will have a chance to do battle. Uh, And Alabama putting this dominant offense on display for the country to see yet again. Uh, We'll see exactly what they can do against the Buckeyes defense. 
that has been overwhelmed at points, but a Buckeyes offense who put its signature performance on tape in the win against Clemson in the semifinal. Can they duplicate that? And I did want to ask you that particular question, Payne, because when we look at the semifinals and, you know, don't want to spend a ton of time on this because it's more speculative than anything else. Alabama workmanlike in their victory against Notre Dame that we talked about at the top of the show could have obviously scored a heck of a lot more than the 31 they put on the board. Meanwhile, Ohio State, you wonder about the energy exerted uh, to try and get that Clemson monkey off their back. We know about the hype videos leading up to it, the 29 to 3 that circulated around campus. Do you feel college kids can harness that emotion and Ohio State is able to replicate that level of engagement on such a quick turnaround? That, I think, is the big question. Obviously, it's narrative-based. We're not going to know. Ryan Day is a fantastic coach. You'd hope he'd get his team quickly turned around mentally, but I texted you. I mean, it just felt like they got the monkey off their back, right? They didn't believe. They sent out all these, you know, hype videos, as you alluded to, and then after the game, you're watching Trey Sermon, like, stuff confetti in his shorts, and the defensive coordinator's doing snow angels out there. Like, guys, one more game. Yeah, one more game. So it was very weird to watch that. And you just, you know, if it's a normal setting and you have 20, 30 days, it just felt very weird like they had won the national championship against Clemson. And so you just kind of wonder that quick turnaround here. Listen, I think if you're just looking at a core number here, Alabama, depending on a lot of things that you kind of would input there, Looking at like Alabama minus like 6.8 to like 7.2 is what we come up with when you have all these different like variants that we'll use. But you got two guys out on the defensive line for Ohio State. You have a quarterback that what happens if he gets hit the first time? So I understand the the eight and a half number, the eight number, the nine number, kind of in that dead zone. Will it get to 10? I would guess that there's probably some value betters out there looking for Ohio State at, at, at 10. So, I, to your point, though, I think Alabama took their, their foot off the gas without question in that second half. You know, what is this line if Alabama decides to play that thing straight the entire way? For whatever reason, it just feels like Nick Saban doesn't view Notre Dame as competition, so he doesn't need to run up the score. It's not a rival. He has respect for Brian Kelly. But although you did see that exchange at the end of the game, Saban was like, well, it was kind of a WTF, I didn't run it up on you, and there you are calling timeouts at the end trying to score. If you saw that exchange at, at He at, had to keep his there. boosters yeah. happy, Payne. He had to get inside so. the back door and try and make sure he could cover any number for any idiot that took 16 and a half of the Irish as well. I think it was, you know, I understand it, right? He's trying to get Ian Book one last little hoorah, but, you know, I, I, time and place, I guess. If Yeah, we, we've seen Nick Saban kind of take it easy on the championship game a couple years back came out and went really run heavy in that second half so you know those are the questions you have like if Alabama played that game straight and they win by you know 40 which candidly I think they probably could have then you know what does this number look like but we did see Ian Book give Nick Saban some trouble with his legs something that they had prepared for so Justin Fields is healthy and can move around tonight and is running it's certainly another element I I, I think Man, just an interesting game. I don't see a ton of value in either the number or the total. Like, you couldn't pay me to go under in this game, Todd. But we, no, I we think... only made it like 
I think you're hoping if you go under that there's a couple of drives that stall out inside the 20 and there's the odd field goal attempt here or there, but it's not going to be because suddenly these two defenses figure out how to clamp down and we're talking about Alabama accumulating 322 yards of offense and Ohio State failing to get over 300 yards themselves. Still wouldn't shock me if we do see that national championship game feel it out, big boxing match first round where we're just kind of you know, jabbing, 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 and, and we'll see some professional betters come in, you know, potentially under 38 and a half, under 38 in that, that first half. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But if one of these teams is forced to play catch-up, oof. Well, you do have a big number in the first quarter as well. 16 and a half doesn't allow you a whole heck of a lot of wiggle room uh, if there's one punt in there and a drive that takes three and a half to four yards. But we know how dynamic these two teams can be, uh, especially when they operate in space. And you have the perfect opportunity to go to FanDuel.com, download the app, use the promo code BETTHEBOARD, take advantage, $1,000 risk-free bets, 25 to 1 money line type promos, and everything else you'd want at your disposal to bet a game with so much on the line. Don't want to get involved tonight? No problem. Plenty of divisional playoff games for the National Football League coming up uh, long before we crown the next Super Bowl champion in Tampa in early February. Some restrictions do apply. Be sure to read the fine print. Pena, I know we talked about not finding a little bit of value. You think, is there a prop or any area that we want to go for a small action bet of sorts uh, to identify in tonight's game? All right, don't have anything on the game yet. I think it's, again, really, really tight. I you know make Alabama about 7.2 here, make the total about 73.8. Would not be stunned to see a little wave of, of under money come in here, Todd. What's interesting, though, is, and we kind of talked about this, the props aren't widely available everywhere. Um, but I guess if I had to do something on this game, and again, haven't bet it personally myself, maybe I'd be looking at that Alabama team total that we kind of played around with in the middle of this podcast and, and hinted at being uh, something possibly. With Alabama's offense, it just feels like they can score points multiple ways. right? If, if Ohio State's going to do what they traditionally do, Bama's scoring here pretty much on every possession if Ohio State elects to go that way. If they elect to play their coverage back a little bit and make Alabama go down to down, sure, some more time might come off the clock, but Alabama's going to be able to do that as well. If Alabama's out in front and in the lead, I still think they can score that way. If they're playing catch-up for some reason, they can score that way. So, you know, the Alabama team total is of some interest. That would kind of be the way I would lean at this point. But again, don't don't have a penny on this game yet. Hey, it's always tough. I mean, we try and uh, offer up some of our best suggestions. All games aren't created equally. Some create uh, a lot better betting opportunities than others. So when you look at the game tonight, we wanted to give you guys as much as we possibly could. So you went armed, pro- you went into battle properly armed with a lot of the information Um, some of the analytics and our numbers there but of course don't go crazy Uh, it is just one game enjoy the culmination of college football season we weren't quite sure we were going to get a few months ago and there'll be plenty of opportunities going forward in the National Football League as well Uh, anything else Payne to put a bow on it do you want to give us a Florida State recruiting update or anything along those lines and telling us when your Seminoles will be playing in a national championship again it'll be a while it'll be a while (laughs) although some decent work done by Mike Norvell in the portal it's all about the portal. That's where the most damage gets done. We shall see. We shall see. I think uh, bringing in Mackenzie Milton will be interesting and added some guys on the defensive side of the ball. This is a big year for Norvell. 
for me personally, like I still view this past year as a year zero and this will be a year one. But I think if you can have a normal off season with camp, being able to do that's going to go a long ways despite the talent not even being close there. But the goal for next year is to have enough talent to make you look competent and that you're headed in the right direction so that you can absolutely crush the 2022 recruiting class, which has a ton of guys. I mean, they currently have, you know, one of the best players in the country committed who's actively recruiting for them. They have a couple legacy kids that, uh, and Marvin Jones Jr. So if they're able to at least show growth this year, which I think is why they're going the portal route, then hopefully things start changing in 2022. That'll be the goal. Well, I think it's always important in college football to have realistic expectations. There are only three true power programs right now, despite what anybody will tell you. It's Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. It cut above everyone else. One other thing on the game, uh, I know we didn't touch on pain that I want to throw out there for our listeners. Jalen Waddell, of course, a big story, game time decision. Not optimistic that he's going to be out there and able to contribute much. If he is, I think it's a welcome bonus for Alabama, uh, but quite personally, doesn't change the handicap a ton other than maybe neutralizing some of Devontae Smith's numbers, which are already sky high in terms of receptions and yards. You can follow Payne on Twitter, at Payne Insider. I'm Todd Furman. You, of course, can follow me there. Most importantly, follow the podcast at Bet the Board Pod. We'll be back with you on Thursday for the NFL Divisional Round with all four big games on the docket. Best of luck with all of your investments tonight in the College Football National Championship, and hopefully we'll see you at the window. Thanks for listening to Bet the Board. You can catch Todd and Payne every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday during football season, breaking down the biggest NFL and college football games. And to make sure you don't miss any free best bets, subscribe to Bet the Board on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.